If you will, open up your Bibles to Proverbs, the 12th chapter, and I'm going to turn there, and I expect that the Lord is going to talk to us, deal with us. You know, there are times in our lives we just say, Lord, I need to know, I need to hear, right? And uh, God wants to work in our lives and do certain things, and so in getting ready, uh, I believe we're going to talk about uh, no more worries, or how to, you know... I guess if I wanted a catchy title, I'd say, don't worry, be happy. But um, didn't want to do that. So, but how not to worry? You know, that's an odd thing. Or the Bible uses this word again and again, anxiety. It's a word we don't use a ton. I guess it is kind of gained some popularity because they talk about anxiety disorders. You know, it's a bigger word or anxiety attacks and things like that. And, and anxiety attack might be a real good uh, definition or approach, you know, an attack or something that comes against you. But, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about this subject and the effects of anxiety and what it will do. Now, understand this. We live in a world where there is opportunity uh, for anxiety. It's all around us everywhere. You know, fear. I mean, you, you can't hardly watch the news until another city has got riots, right? And then weird stuff happening, like arresting people because they believe it's their constitutional right to not wear a mask in public, and, and they're getting arrested. And I'm like, whoa, that, that, that's interesting. Uh, you know, not trying to start a discussion or you know, whatever, but it is fascinating to me, the things that are just going on in the world and how people are just, are you guys, do you guys know anything's happening in the world? Because some of you are looking at me like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, it's so wild to me uh, if you think about uh, what this year has been like for the greater part. Uh, you know, we had a president that was impeached, you know, over stuff now they know was totally false. And now they're prosecuting those people to all different kinds of stuff happening all over the world. Things that are end time related, you know, Israel has bombed or blown up stuff over a dozen times in Iran. We hardly hear anything about it on our news, but that's Bible, you know, to me. Let's, let's pay attention. A lot is happening, and people can get worried, and people can get full of fear. There's opportunities. So turn to Proverbs, the 12th chapter, the 25th verse, and we're going to talk about how to deal, why we should deal with anxiety and worry, and how to do it. I wish I would have known this when I was younger. You know, I, I literally was good at worrying. It's like serious, I was good. I was better than a lot of people. Not that I'm bragging or anything, but a lot of people, can. you can get good at something that we shouldn't be good at. Right? There's a lot of people who are good at certain things in the world. We think that's not good to be good at that. But on the other hand, some people look at worry and think, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Because, you know, we've heard this. If you don't worry, you don't care. I've heard that. 
Like, you better worry or else you don't care about me. Well, is that true? Proverbs 12.25 says, Anxiety, it's the same word worry or overcare. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. Notice that. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. There's a ton of things right here in these verses. I mean a ton of things, and we are in this half a verse, but in this verse, there is a lot there. Notice what it says. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. It didn't say a thought of anxiety coming against your head produces depression. It's when it gets in your heart that it produces depression. Now, a lot of people say, well, I'm not depressed. I'm just not a depressed person. What, what does it mean to be depressed? You know, we'll say, go push that button. It means to depress it or push it down. Push it down. So when he talks about depression in the heart, he's talking about, you know, when these things or whatever this is gets into a person, they get pushed down in their personality. Everybody awake here this morning? They get pushed down. They're not full of joy. They're not full of victory. They're, they're pushed down internally, and then it shows up on the outside. It literally, one of the definitions in the, in the uh, Strong's Concordance, literally means to stoop down or to make to stoop. You know, like you got a load on you. And so it's interesting, anxiety is around us, or opportunities. But he said when it gets in the heart, he said of a man, he said then it causes or produces a depression or a pushing down. But notice the next part, it says, but. Aren't you glad? I mean, it's good to know what it produces, but aren't you glad that he didn't just stop there? So if, if somebody is dealing with being pressed down, you know, I'm dealing with depression. That's almost like a bad word. But everybody, there's not one person in this world who will not at some point deal with depression. Not one person. Why? Because the enemy will see to it that bad thoughts come to you uh, so that you might be pushed down. In other words, that you might accept those bad thoughts and be pushed down on the inside. So notice this. It says, but a good word. A good word makes it glad. Makes what glad? The heart. Good words. So this depression that pushes people down has to be connected with bad words then. Now, I don't mean like a cuss word. Those are bad. But I mean bad words, bad reports. You know, and not always necessarily real bad reports. They can be false. Anybody ever had a bad report that attacked their mind? You're going to lose your job. They hate you. And, if, and then you, all of a sudden you get depressed, and then your boss calls you in, and you go, here it goes. And they're like, 
we've just been watching how you've been performing and we're just so pleased. And you're like, huh? <laughs> For two weeks, you've been down in your emotions. Right? Does that ever happen? Oh, it happens to people all the time. And so what happens is you get pushed down inside and you're thinking, oh, great. And, but notice what when the boss said, hey, we're pleased, what did that do? It lifted you up. Remember David in the Old Testament, King David, one time, the Lord, you know, they went out and fought a battle, and they won, and they got all these spoils and great stuff, and they went back and, to their land, and while they were gone defeating one enemy, a different enemy came in and ripped them off. I mean, just ripped them off, took their wives, their kids, their stuff, so they get back, and then all the people who were all excited, all the soldiers said they spoke among themselves. That's not always good when you get to speaking with others by themselves. And they spoke of stoning him, and somehow the news got back to David. You know, stoning somebody back then was final. Uh, you're gonna, let's, let's kill this dude. That's basically what we would say today. Let's get him out in the firing squad and, and kill him. Well, that's encouraging. You know, you lead him into victory. You, you get great, great victory. Everybody loves King David. Five minutes later, they're like, I think we'll kill this guy. What happened? And he did something that we should take as an example. It said David then... He, he got by himself, and it said David encouraged himself in the Lord. He gave himself good news. We're going to go up, and we're going to, by God's power, we're going to get our people back. They're going to be delivered into our hands, that enemy, and we're going to win. Could you imagine if he didn't do that? He would have just sat around. Well, soon enough, they're going to come and kill me. Some of you looking at me real innocent right now. And, um, you know, they're just like, wow, how could you do this? Well, he wasn't the one who did it. An enemy came and did it. And he got an opportunity or had a real opportunity to be discouraged, to be anxious. And uh, he said no. I'm going to encourage myself. So guess what he did? He talked himself up. He talked himself up. You should do that. You're a new creation. You should look at yourself and say, you're more than a conqueror. God lives in you. God's for you. Especially when other voices are coming. Because one's trying to push you down below where you belong, and the others should be God's words that are to put you in your right place. Right here in the NET Bible, it says, anxiety in a person's heart weighs him down, but an encouraging word brings him joy. Wow, what a contrast. What a contrast. So it, it, wouldn't that be a solution? I mean, an encouraging word? The New Heart English Bible said, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a kind word makes it glad. Isn't it interesting? Good word. 
encouraging word, a kind word, affects your heart. It affects your heart. And so, what is he saying? Anxiety, or we would just use the word worry, uh, brings a person down. It messes with people. And it's not God's design for his children to be full of worry. That's something we should all get settled. Worry is not from God. You could tell because when we get to heaven, you know, remember the Lord taught his disciples to pray and he said, your will be done on earth like it's done in heaven. Well, how many of you think when you get to heaven you're going to be just full of worry? Oh, I'm just, I can't wait to get there because there's nothing going to hinder God's will. I'm just going to be worried to death. But in heaven I won't be able to die. So I'll just have unhindered worry. Nobody thinks that. Quite the opposite. Some people who don't know think, if I could just get to heaven, I'd get past this worry. But we can be past this worry here. And there's plenty in the Bible to talk about that. Turn with me to Luke's Gospel, the 10th chapter. Luke, the 10th chapter. And so if it pushes us down, but, you know, this anxiety or worries push us down internally, you know, really, outwardly, we show what's going on inwardly. You know, have you ever looked at somebody and said, wow, I wonder what they're going through? Some, some of you haven't ever noticed, haven't paid attention. No, we all have, and, and you know, but, but things can change, and they can change now. Luke, the 10th chapter, and we'll begin reading in the 38th verse. An awesome story. Maybe you're familiar with it. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And as she and she had a sister called Mary. So we see Jesus is cruising through this area with his people and uh, runs into Mary and Martha and he knows them. As a matter of fact, they, they, he knows their brother too. And so when he shows up, hey, let's go there. Let's hang out. And uh, so Martha welcomed him into her house, but really the other disciples too. And she had a sister named Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha, the one who welcomed Jesus into the house... How many of you have welcomed Jesus into your house? Oh, I'm born again. I'll tell you what, I received Jesus. He is on the inside of me. That's just the end all. Life will never cause problems again because I have Jesus. You know, when people sign up for Jesus, don't ever tell them, Everything, you'll never have a problem again. But don't tell them, hey, wait. <laughs> no, there is a solving of the problem. There is a change inside. 
We may face things, but we can live as more than a conqueror. And notice this in verse 40. But Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted. The very one that said, Jesus, come into my house. Just thought give you a pause to think about that. The very one who said, yeah, I want Jesus here was distracted. What does it mean to distract? Have you ever talked to somebody before and they were distracted? Oh yeah, you're like, hey, hello! And then they're like, what? And then you say, did you hear anything I said? Oh, you said something? Or from what part? They were just so you could repeat it. They were distracted. They were pulled away from looking at something they should have been looking at. And so here she is, the one who invites them in, and the disciples in, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Or you could say it like this, getting ready. How this has not changed. How many people? Somebody called and said, we're coming over. And then all of a sudden, it's time to get busy and clean. Nobody ever been there? Let me say it like this so you're not incriminating yourself. Anybody know somebody like that? <laughs> and then you're like, oh, somebody's coming. And you're not thinking about the person coming. You're thinking about what's about to happen because of the person there who's going to get anxious get full of worry, and is going to be distracted, and it's not going to be pleasant. Remember, I didn't say this is you. I said this is somebody you know. Right? And then it's like miserable until the person shows up, and then you're like, hey. You're like, what happened to them? But what happens is people get so distracted trying to please other people and get everything right. Now, I'm not saying don't do that, but there's a better way to do it. There is a better way to do it. And so she was distracted with much serving. You can get distracted or pulled away from the right things in your attention. And she approached him... Think about this. She's distracted. She's full of worry. And she's going to pray. She approached him. She's going to talk to him. Isn't prayer just talking to the Lord? Isn't that what prayer is? Communicating with him. Whether it's receiving, talking. That is prayer. So Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care? I'm just everybody's maid. Sorry. Um, that my sister has left me. It's just me. I'm doing it all myself to serve alone. Therefore, tell her to help me. That's her prayer. That's her communication. 
And you know the Lord cares about her, so he's going to be like, listen up, Martha, I got your back. Mary, get up and help her. She's all distracted doing this. Nobody should be like that. Amen? Yeah, that's not what he said. Tell her to help me. This is, this is prayer. In other words, she thought she had a just and a right claim to call on the Lord and that the Lord would back her up in this. And uh, here we go. And Jesus answered and said, you're right. No, he said, Martha, Martha. He said it twice. You are worried. That's the first thing he said. Martha, Martha, you are worried. The English Standard Version says, you are anxious or have anxiety. Whoa. The Lord said, you have anxiety. You have worry. Boy, wouldn't that be something for the Lord to say? Your problem is you, you have worry. You have anxiety. And so you know what the Lord said? Let me pray and get that away from you. He said, just pray that I'll take it away. No, he didn't do any of that. Notice, he said, Martha, you are worried or anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen. Notice that word chosen. It's a choice. She chose not to be distracted Martha chose the distraction that came. And he said, she's chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. In other words, I am not going to get her over into your situation. Well, hallelujah. So was the Lord just wanting her to go on and live a worried life? He, he basically said, this is not good. This is coming from a distraction. And it's not just outward distractions. It's accepting something that would pull your attention. You with me? Anybody who has ever dealt with worry or anxiety knows that normally certain thoughts first come to trigger it. Right? And then that thought will just persist in staying. And what happens is when somebody starts getting depressed, they start entertaining that thought and taking it to themselves, and they get depressed or get pushed down, and then the joy that they could experience in the Lord that He has given to His saints, because He said, my joy I leave with you, not like the world does. And He said, my peace I leave with you. And he told them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be afraid. So he wants us hopeful, victorious, and having joy and peace today in this present world. If we're light in the darkness, how different is light from dark? 
Well, they're kind of close. No, not even. They don't exist together. And we're the light of the world. So we don't have to be overcome by the darkness in the world. Are you with me? I mean, I've never bought a flashlight where I turned it on and then the darkness just invaded the room more. Man, I should have checked if that was one of those. Take it back and say, watch this, and you turn it on and just darkness caves in. They're like, oh, sorry, that's a bad flashlight. Get you a different one. No, we would never think like that. We would never get something like that. It would be interesting, but... um, but a light, we know, even if it's a birthday candle, you know, you turn off all the lights in the house, light the birthday candles, and you get ready to sing. Remember when we used to do that? Like they say, blow on the cake, and then everybody ate it. Now with the pandemics, everybody's like, whoa. Here, let me blow on it. Now let's all eat this. I'd still eat it. period. Anyway, distracted, anxious, troubled about many things. It doesn't always take many, but if we're distracted and that happens, it can cause anxiety, worry. Did the Lord want her to have worry? No, he based off the right show to pattern. You've allowed yourself to be distracted or get your attention off the right thing and on the thing that is right and good and put it on a problem. And this has produced, and he knew the scripture, this has produced depression. She was not the cheerful one in the bunch. Well, there's a lot you could say, but turn to 1 Peter because we want to look at how to deal with this. And we can deal with it. And, and the word has to be practiced for it to work for us. 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, and I'm going to begin reading in the seventh verse, and it says, casting all your care. Somebody said, we're talking about anxiety or worry. New American Standard Bible uses that word right there of care. It calls it anxiety, worry. So when he says here, casting all, not most of it, well, you know, I could give him 90% because I can handle 10. He didn't want you to handle 10. He didn't want you to handle 5. He didn't want you to handle 1%. Heaven has no worry. He doesn't want worry in you because it's counterproductive to a Christian, to a believer. It's not the quality of life. And why did he say, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The Amplified reads it this way, casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns. Well, that just about covers it. All of them. Once and for all on him you know when i heard somebody teach about this when i first started hearing you could actually uh, live a life without worry and anxieties and fears this guy said when he first started practicing this and he has gone to be with the lord a number of years ago 
And uh, he said, when I used to first start to practice to learn how to not worry, he said, I had been trained in a family of champion warriors. And he said, it was like flypaper. And some people don't know what flypaper is, but you ever been in somebody's garage? Some of you all know what an M80 is. More people know what that, yeah, more people. You know, a big firework, you know, the big round tube with a fuse. Well, flypaper's like in one of those tubes, and it's thin, and you pull it out, and the tube just hangs, and it's super sticky. And if you've ever touched flypaper, you know, it can be pretty rough. You know, I saw a video recently from somebody in the church. They had posted of their kid, brand new toddler, you know, just a little guy, and he got a sticker on, tried to get it off one hand, then is like, uh, and then went to pull it off of the other. Remember when you first learned how to do that? I was like, whoa, that's pretty tough. And then gets it off and then touches it here and it's stuck here. Can't get, finally when they got it off, they were like. <laughs> but some people don't realize you could just touch some and it seems sticky. And so casting cares on the Lord can be like that. You know, you're like, got that off. And all of a sudden you turn and you're like, oh, it's on me again. You've got to get it over and get it on him. And then if it comes back in a week or an hour, get it back on him. And we're going to talk about that. Because notice, casting all your care upon him. What would the, or the anxiety, the worry, what would be the value of this? Your emotions. We're a spiritual being, but we do have emotions and we do have a body. And we are to have our emotions not all pressed down with worry. Thought, thought I'd hear an amen. But it's true. Notice this. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. I'm going to finish reading the Amplified. For he cares about you with the deepest of affection and watches over you very carefully. That shows God's care. God cares about you. God wants you to put your worries on Him. He won't come and take them, but He will accept them if you will put them on Him. Every one of them. There isn't one you can find that He will say, no, not that one. You take care of that. All of them on Him. All of them on Him once and for all. But notice the very next verse. I wasn't going to read this, but I think it would be helpful. Be sober. Now, he's not talking about don't get drunk there, but there are other scriptures that talk about that. But when he talks about sober here, he is literally talking self uh, or self-controlled or clear. You know, where you're, when he talks about sober, he's talking about clear thinking. Be vigilant, be watchful, be alert, because your adversary, not God, the devil, walks about and this helps us to understand worry right here. This helps us to understand worry. Notice, your adversary, the devil. Who is your adversary? Not God. God's not trying to teach you something by having bad. I mean, we would call that child abuse if a parent did that, but Christians call that God. 
No, God isn't trying to burn your hand on a hot stove to teach you something. Thank you. He, be sober, be vigilant, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, know the problems you face and the things that get stirred. That's not God. Walks about, and this is a real clue of what this looks like in dealing with worries. Walks around like. He is not. He is like a roaring lion. He is not a roaring lion that can take and tear you apart. He is acting like one. So he has a big voice, but we know from the Bible, when, once the end comes and the Lord comes and we all stand before Him and everybody who's ever been born into the earth is there, we're going to look at Him that troubled the nations, talking about Satan, and we're going to say, it was Him that did this? And we're going to think, well, wait a minute. Yeah, because He roared like a lion, and many people didn't realize His bark is bigger than his bite, so to speak. Are you there? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, notice he's your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That means he can't devour everybody, but he's trying to see who will give in and accept these things in their heart. And he will roar. And you need to recognize he will come against your mind. He will put thoughts there. If you don't know what thoughts are from God and what thoughts are from the enemy, it's real simple. One, read the Bible. Two, realize that, that those thoughts from the enemy don't produce joy unspeakable and full of glory. They push down. So if you're not sure, just know God's not putting thoughts your way that are going to put you down and push you down. Everybody okay? And so he said, he watches for us carefully. He's, he cares about us. How many times did he tell the disciples or people he encountered who were facing a tough time, he, what would he say to them often? Do not fear. Don't worry. And then he would meet the need. Notice he would say, don't worry. Don't be concerned. That is the first thing when we get answers from God, is we've got to deal with worry. We've got to deal with anxieties that come to people. And we can, because we're talking about how to live free from that. You guys ready? Turn to Philippians, the fourth chapter. And, and like I said, when I was younger, I learned how to do this, and I did it well, and it would affect my sleep. It would affect all kinds of stuff. When you get quiet, quiet time was not quiet. It might have been quiet in the room, but was loud internally the thought, 
Great, you're going to get in trouble. Great, this is going to happen. And you're thinking on it, and, and, and those worry thoughts are there, and I didn't know you were supposed to deal with them. I didn't realize how. I didn't realize that was the devil like a roaring lion trying to just rob me. Many of the things that I worried about, I never, they never came to pass. You with me? How many here have ever worried about something, didn't know, oh, I shouldn't be worrying about that, and never came to pass? Just, just never happened. So we got robbed in ways we didn't realize. We, got, we were depressed. We were pushed down for a period of time by some roaring lion, this big voice that came, and what did it do? It, it didn't make us encouraged and glad. It, it caused depression or a pushing down for all this time. And then all of a sudden, it never came to pass. Never came to pass. Just, just didn't materialize. Philippians, the fourth chapter. You with me? We're going to look at this. How to get rid of worries. We saw there, cast them over on the Lord. Put them on the Lord. Some translations say, throw them. That means this, if you cast them or throw them, that means you take them off of you and put them on Him. Because remember, fear or worry and anxiety in the heart of a man produces depression. So when you're getting rid of this worry, this concern, the thing that is bothering you, you're taking it and putting it on the Lord. That means there will be an emptying of the thoughts. And what will happen is, when we put it on the Lord, that should be good news right there. Thank God God's taking care of this. Now He's at work. I'm not worrying Remember, he taught in Matthew 6, don't worry about your life, don't worry about this, put me first, seek me first, and I'll start taking care of all that stuff. But you've got to get rid of the anxiety. Philippians, the fourth chapter. The worry, that little thing that gnaws at you. Notice this, that those little things can have such an ill effect. And anybody been there? And I'm not trying to sound like we're all a bunch of manic depressants and everything, and we've got pills in the lobby when you leave today, and it was like, great, I need a few now. No, he's telling us how to deal with this. And I guarantee you this, you can get these worries off of you, and you won't need that. And there's a practice in this. And there's a way to do it. Philippians 4.8 says this. Finally, my brethren, actually 4.6, be anxious, or there's that anxiety word, or don't worry. Be anxious for nothing, or don't worry about anything. It kind of sounds like casting all your cares upon him. Don't worry about anything. So here he says, be anxious or worrisome for nothing or in anything. We need to get good at this if we're not. 
where even small things we don't worry about. And, and, and what would worry look like? It would be an over-fascination or entertainment in our minds of some kind of negative uh, situation. Some not good situation. A, a roaring. Oh, this is going to turn out worse than you thought. How's that ever going to happen? And we worry. And we know the scriptures they say all things are possible to him that believes. That's a good word. You'd have to accept a bad word. You know, or a negative word. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious or worrisome for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Now that we've read those other verses, we know what this prayer looks like. It looks like this. Lord, I'm dealing with this financially. I'm dealing with this in this relationship. I'm dealing with this. There's a lot of voices that are coming against me. I put this over on you. All this darkness in the world that's telling me and the thoughts are coming about the future and I'm concerned... I'm going to take that and I'm going to throw it or put it over on him. In other words, I'm not going to entertain that anymore. It's not going to be the priority thing of my life. I'm not going to be distracted from the Lord and focus on the problem. I'm going to put it over on him. Notice, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, every area, by prayer or casting your care on him. And supplication, that just means a humble request. But notice what our prayer would look like. It would be, Lord, this is going on. It's real. I remember when I first got a handle on this and first started learning how to pray like this, I remember the first time the results came like in the Bible. I was blown away. I was so not glad to be worried, but I was like, boy, if I ever find somebody who's worried, this will be great. I'm like, you could do this. It actually works. I mean, it was as much a miracle as anything. And it says, you cast your care. Then when you cast the whole of your care, what do you do? You do that with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. It's on you now. It's over on you. I'm not going to worry. Thank you, Lord. If somebody says, well, I don't like loud praise. I like the results. Thank you, Lord. It's in your hands now. Uh, it's not on me. I'm not worrying. If I'm worrying, I'm holding it. I haven't cast it. I'm still holding. But when I truly give it to Him and trust, then I start thanking. Thank you, Lord. The minute I do that, this will start coming into play. He will fill the void where anxiety was depressing. You'll start getting inflated. Notice this. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. I don't know how it's going to turn out. It doesn't matter. Meaning, you know, how it's going to work its way out. I do know God is now, it's in His hands. It will work out. 
he is at work. And there's this peace, it says, that passes all understanding, will guard my heart. Because remember, fear and anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. He said, this peace will come and guard your heart. So you could say this, if my heart is guarded by this peace, I'm not going to be penetrated by depression. It's not going to find its way in and produce this pushing down. And so he said, it will guard your heart and your mind. Because these things start in your mind. And he said, it will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That means he will cause his divine peace to begin to affect your heart and to begin to affect your mind the minute you get your care on him. You're at the first place, then just start thanking him. The minute you start thanking him, he fills where the anxiety was that you gave to him with his divine peace. He doesn't just fill you with divine peace. It's a guard. It's like a military term. The battle becomes the Lord's because you put it on his hands and you're not worrying anymore. You know, because people talk about the battle is the Lord's. But really, you, you cast your care on the Lord and you start thanking him. It's in your hands now. That, it's a symbol of trust. I give you praise. It's in your hands. He said he would cause his peace to be uh, this military term, start guarding Stand garrison around your heart and around your mind. Well, that means I can live then in this world with a force, like a military term, that's greater than any army. I mean, when the Lord comes back, you think it's going to be some big thing for Him to take all the demons and throw them in hell? You think some are going to get away? You know, a couple hundred. I mean, there's millions of them. You know, some may just slip through the ranks. No, we don't even think like that. You know, it could be a hundred years it could take them. No, it's going to be like, boom. And in they go. Well, that's the power that backs this. This is a heavenly, divine peace that is the presence of God that will guard your heart. There's strength here. There's strength here will guard your heart. You think, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? What if it overcomes? There's no way it can overcome His peace. If you'll stay trusting, remember that guy that was following Jesus in Mark 5? Or not following Jesus. Uh, he was following. To a degree, he had petitioned Jesus, said, come to my house, you know, family member, super sick. On the way, he follows him. A woman who had a disease, came and touched him, and she got healed, so Jesus stops. In the meantime, uh, you know, because Jesus said, man, this guy's got great faith, we're going to go, we're going to see some results here at this person's house. And in the meantime, the whole caravan gets slowed down by this lady, where he's like, who touched me? And in the meantime, some of the people from the house came and said, don't trouble him anymore. Uh, you're, you're, it's beyond. And what did the Lord say? Don't worry. Don't fear. Stay in faith. Trust me. 
In other words, get that anxiety off yourself and you'll see God do a miracle here in your life. And sure enough, the man didn't worry. He went on and saw a miracle. So even if it gets worse sometimes, all of a sudden it could be an opportunity for some worry to jump back on you. The Lord would say the same thing. Get that cast back on me. Just believe me, and you'll see. And sure enough, that happened. But the key is you got to get it back over on him. And here it tells you to pray, to cast it, say, here it is, Lord, it's in your hands. When you take it back in your hands, this isn't hot potato, he ain't going to throw it back, it's you're taking it back. The thought comes by the roaring lion, no, I give it to you. Thank you, Lord. It's in your hands in Jesus' name. I worship you. You'll know because his peace will start working. It will guard your heart and guard your minds through Christ Jesus. In other words, you'll be able to live in this world with divine peace. Everybody's going to have opportunities to worry. But Christians have an opportunity to live in peace. And it's not the peace where you go to the forest and go, isn't it so peaceful here? No, that's just different peace. The Lord said, I'll give you peace that the world doesn't know about. And so you can have this. You can walk in this. He said, anybody who would choose to do this can have this. You ready? Let's finish up here. Finally, brethren. Now what he's going to do here is teach you how to keep your heart in peace after you have and keep your heart and mind guarded with peace. He's going to tell you what to do. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true. Well, sometimes a bad report can be true. But aren't you glad he didn't just say one thing? Like a roaring lion can bark a true bad report. Whatever the things are noble, whatever things are just or right. But some Bad reports that are true are not right. They're not just. They're not good. So he's, he's telling you what thoughts to clear out. Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, some things are just not pure, morally pure. And whatever things are lovely, some thoughts that are true are just not lovely. Right? It's true, people are riding in different areas and stuff is happening and, you know, it's just kind of weird all over the place. Well, we can look and know the news, but don't be distracted by it. The Lord taught that. He said, men's hearts would fail them for fear, worry, for looking and focusing on what's coming on the world. He tells you it will produce worry and cause depression. And here he's saying, don't get overly distracted. We do need to know what's going on in the world. But, you know, like one minister, I heard him, he was preaching. And he said, you know, one time he uh, was up late. Well, he had been doing this a bit. He would turn on, this remember back when they had sports? Uh, it was a joke. I know some of it's starting back up. But he said, I would watch, I'd turn on the, after the games, he'd watch the game that he wanted to watch, but then he'd turn on Sports Center, 
you know, I don't even know if Sports Center's still on. Then he'd turn on another one 30 minutes later and another one 30 minutes later. And he would watch, and if you've ever watched those, they pretty much repeat the same thing after all the sports is done. You hear the same thing. Then you hear the same thing. And he, and he, he would do this often. And the Lord said, I haven't called you to be a sports broadcaster. Quit that. Just keep hearing the same thing. Do you need to know that this basketball player or football player threw that TD? Do you have to watch it ten times? Oh, replay. Replay. Well, we need to be careful that we don't replay, you know, certain things. You know, most of us remember, well, maybe we don't, most of us remember during the Civil War, back when I was a kid, you know, you start thinking 9-11 was almost 20 years ago. Somebody's like, I was one year old. I wasn't born. But for the rest of us who were here and remember when that happened, I mean, what happened after the whole thing? You could turn on any news station and watch those planes fly right into those buildings and them say thousands of people died. Then they would show camera angles. Then you, you, you watch, watch the same one, similar one. And, and for days it was on there. In days. And how many people watched it hundreds and thousands of times and they're thinking, what else is going to happen? And people started getting full of anxiety. You could have watched it one time and known. But how many people just, they fed society on it. I mean, there were, you couldn't turn and go, I'm done with this, I'm watching Gilligan's Island. Which is what you would watch, right? And uh, they just play it, play it, play it, play it, play it. And it didn't help. And the world is that way. You know, when stuff goes on, you can find the negative. They should have a news outlet that has good news and one that has bad news. Most of them are all bad news, and they just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. So we have to be careful because it will cause a distraction. I mean, how many people are afraid of the coronavirus? We, we got primed over the years that if you touch a door handle, those germs will just jump on you and run right up your arm and just jump right up in your nose. Just get all, all over you, use hand sanitizer. So we got all primed to fear germs instead of thinking the Lord is my healer and no plague shall befall me. We read that once, but how many things have we watched about the coronavirus? I'm not saying anybody here, obviously, because we know better. You with me? But isn't it interesting that some people have heard now, you know, the stats that are coming out that like, if you're like 40 or below, it's 99.9998% mortality rate. You know, or that you live, the mortality rate is at 0.0002. It's not even a whatever, and then it jumps and it jumps as you get older and, you know, these increments, how many people then are like, well, wait a minute. But they were anxious before, 
Now, wait a minute. And all they haven't heard anything supernatural. They haven't heard anything from God yet. It's all been natural. I knew you guys would be excited about this. And I'm not opposed to using hand sanitizer, and I'm not opposed to wearing a mask. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something internal. You with me? I mean, the, the mask doesn't bother me. But what should be of great concern or great attention should be, are we living in anxiety and worry? How many people have searched things out on the internet and all it did was produce more anxiety? It produced more of a lion roar. Oh, now I'm going to go broke. Is there any help? And then you didn't go broke. We're going to have the worst, this is going to create the worst depression ever. And now we have the quickest recovering economy anywhere in the world right now. Out of all of them. And we got people out there barking, we'll, we'll help save the economy. No, it's recovering quicker than any economy in the world. That's a stat. But if they don't tell you that, you could be full of worry. But whether they do or don't, that should not be the reason we have worry or not. Because I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread, the Bible said. Let's end right here. Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report. If it ain't a good report, whether it's true or not, don't think on it. I remember years ago, the Lord spoke to me when I woke up one morning, clear as day. He said, if your mind is not on the answer, it's on the wrong thing. Well, good reports are part of the answer. If there is any virtue... Or if there's anything praiseworthy, well, that's just going to get rid of a lot of things. Notice, meditate on these things, the things you, which you learned, received, heard, saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen? Implying guarding your heart and mind.